Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. You just trust. Believe. It was the summer of 2016, and three friends and I were having a good time and wanted something fun to get into. We decided that it would be a good idea to do what we call frog grabbing. I'm from a small town in Mississippi, so this is a very common thing to do, seeing as how we don't have much else to do around here to kill time. We hastily loaded up the trailer and hit the road for a 30-minute drive down to the river landing on the Mississippi. These were sloughs, more or less, that ran adjacent to the actual Mississippi River, so it was only about 50 feet wide. We rode around in a 16-foot flat-bottom boat with a small 25-horsepower motor. Anyone who knows anything about boats and the river knows that if you have four people in a small boat with a small engine, you won't be able to plane the boat out. The rumble of the engine causes large carp to jump around the boat. These fish are huge. They can easily jump into the boat and could literally knock you out if they hit you hard enough. We were all propped up on the boat in a sort of boxer's position, but sitting down, just anticipating the next time a carp would jump. That is to say, we were very acute and aware of our surroundings. Then. Out of the corner of our eyes, we all four saw a green light in the sky. This wasn't an ordinary light. I would say it almost looked like the northern lights, except this is Mississippi, and we don't experience that here. Plus, it was extremely low, and a lot brighter. As we were looking at this, a bright object flew over the top of the tree line and shot up into the sky making a U-shape until it disappeared out of sight. It flew so fast that the only thing I could imagine would move that fast is a shooting star, except this was moving up and out of the atmosphere. The green smoky light was still there and never moving. That was until we all flew up about three feet and came crashing back down. We were all dazed at what just happened. We looked up again, and there were strobe lights, 
like what you would see at a fireworks show, except we were in the middle of nowhere, and these strobes were coming out of the tree line just a few hundred feet from us. As we went down the river, trying to figure out what the strobe lights were and what the green dusty light was, all of our phones died, except one of our friends who had a flip phone. We came up to the river dam and decided to turn around and go down an opposite river slough to catch some frogs. Around 30 minutes into that journey, we came up to the same river dam we were at 30 minutes prior. Now, this is physically impossible, due to the fact we were going down a small river, and to turn around in a river is almost impossible to do without noticing, especially given the fact that the river was only 50 feet wide. We knew this river better than most people know their own home roads. We grew up on these rivers. We were all awestruck by how this happened. We drove around and around and around until we finally ran out of gas and had to call for help. We had no earthly idea where we were at this point, so we floated until we came across a bridge and decided to get out to tell our friend what mile marker and road we were on. Turns out, we were over two hours away from where we landed the boat, and to this day we don't know how that happened. We also can't explain the lights we saw in the sky, how we shot up three feet into the air, or how we ended up at the same dam twice. To add to the crazy night, after we backed the trailer in to get the boat, the leaf spring folded under the trailer, and we were stranded for a few hours. It was the craziest night of my life. I've never had any experiences quite like this one since. At one point, a few years back, I ended up working in a small privately owned restaurant. It was set on a small main drag in a tiny, historic community. The restaurant definitely stood out amongst the locals and tourists due to its multicultural food variety. The restaurant served everything from American cuisine to Indian, Thai, French, and Middle Eastern foods. The small restaurant was formerly a popular, privately owned Chinese restaurant and a local favorite. But unfortunately, the older man that owned and operated it passed away inside the restaurant one day. So suffice it to say that the local townsfolk didn't take too kindly to the foreign city woman that bustled in shortly after his death and purchased the restaurant. Not only was my former boss flaky and irresponsible, but she could also come off as quite rude at times. So, she had a rough go at first obtaining the proper permits to renovate this historic building. The thing is, when you do certain renovations in an old building like that, the local laws require you to then update a lot of other things that could be quite costly. So that meant that she decided to use the staff that she hired, which was us, to help her with most of the renovation work. Everything was going pretty smooth, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. That is until one overcast, drizzly day 
when we were all gathered in the dining area for a staff meeting. As we all sat there quietly, listening to the boss lady, something a little strange happened. The front entrance door to the restaurant, it suddenly opened about halfway and then carefully closed after a second. As though somebody had simply stepped in. Of course there was nobody there, as the door was almost entirely glass and we would have seen a person on the other side. We all looked at each other confused, but we chalked it up to being the breeze since the back door was open, though there was a set of closed kitchen doors in between. The second odd thing that happened happened to another employee when she was there alone one night. According to her, just after she turned the corner passing a shelf with some tools on it, an empty cordless drill case went flying past her head. It barely missed her, and it smashed into a wall in front of her. She definitely seemed pretty put off when she told us about it in the kitchen the next day. Following that, random small things would happen here and there, like our boss would ask us once in a while why one of us didn't come into her office when she had seen one of us walk by her open door. But we were usually puzzled by that, as none of us had ever walked past her door during that time. Besides that, we would get the occasional strange sound, like a faint voice or a door opening or closing. Also, there were times when I'd be in the kitchen putting together some ingredients for a recipe, and I'd have to walk away for a second to grab something off a back shelf. But when I would return... Less than 15 seconds later, one of the ingredients that I had set out prior to leaving the area would be gone. I'd have to measure out and prepare the same ingredient again, annoyed. But I had no idea it was due to something a lot more terrifying. The final thing to happen to me and my other co-workers was the worst experience I ever had that was paranormal hands down. But in order to properly explain this part to you, I'm going to need to explain a couple of things about the restaurant's kitchen. In a typical restaurant kitchen setup, you have a cook line, and the cook line is literally that. A line, as in a skinny walking or standing space, typically between the oven fryers and cooktop, with a prep surface and small fridges on the opposite side, leaving about a three or four foot walking aisle forming a cook line. Besides that, there's a dishwasher outside of that line, followed by the rest of what you would expect to find in a restaurant kitchen. You know, like fridges and freezers, all on a large scale. You also got your giant hood fans above the cooking area and hot water heater. The reason why I point all these things out is that together, they all constantly make noise. Think like louder ambient background noise constantly. So, one day... There are three of us working in the kitchen. Me, my boss, and another employee on the dishwasher. My boss and I were on the cook line while the dishwasher was a few feet away from the cook line. We were all three working as normal when all of a sudden it got quiet. Think of when you don't realize you've been hearing a constant low sound until it finally stops and then you notice a sudden change in the noise environment. Except... I mean, it absolutely got dead silent, almost like an invisible, soundproof blanket was thrown over the three of us. As soon as I noticed it, 
I looked around to the other two, and they also looked puzzled. What the hell? I questioned out loud. Why is it so freaking quiet all of a sudden? Asked the dishwasher, suspiciously. I don't know, my boss replied, drawing out her words nervously. She turned to face me as I was standing directly behind her on the narrow cook line. Nora, go make sure that the fridges and hood fans are still running. Maybe the power's out. So I ventured the ten or so feet outside the cook line area, and weirdly enough, I could hear the hood fans and even the dishwasher, hot water heater, and all of the fridges and freezers running like normal. I went back to my boss, and with a confused look, I told her, Everything's working fine. That was the first creepy part. But when I stepped back into the cook line to tell my boss, it was all silent again. Well, Nora, get back to work grilling those peppers, she snapped. So I got back onto the cook line beside her. After a couple of minutes, though, I suddenly started to feel tunnel vision and I felt very dizzy and nauseous. I told my boss and she told me to sit out back for a few minutes and get some fresh air, which I promptly did. I was sitting outside, trying to feel better. I could see my boss go into her office, which was kitty corner from the back door. Since the back door was open with just the screen door closed, I was able to hear her while she made a phone call. She sounded urgent and shaky as she asked the person on the other end of the line to please bring in an abalone shell, some sage, and some kind of weird oil. Now, the reason she needed those particular items was that, according to her, she had felt something walk through her on the cook line, and it wasn't good. The horrible part is that I was standing right behind her inches away of that cook line. I waited for her to finish that call and then returned to the cook line before I went back in. By the time I got back in, everything sounded normal again on the cook line. When I got off my shift about an hour later, believe me when I say, I made the normally 45-minute drive home in just under 30. All that night, I tossed and turned, unable to really sleep. But the few times I managed to slip into sleep, I kid you not, I jolted right back awake because I would see this screaming demon thing right in my face. I wanted to share with you my stories of sleep paralysis. I went through a decade-ish long phase of experiencing these quite often, probably fueled by stress and strange sleep schedules due to school. I experimented with it for a few years, pushing my limits and trying to figure out what happens after sleep paralysis. My first experience happened when I was young, around middle school. Sleeping in my sister's bed, I woke up in the middle of the night and felt that I couldn't move. But I saw a shadowy figure at the doorway by my feet. It sidled up to me. I could actually see that it was a woman in black, wearing a black veil. She leaned over me and I felt pressure on my chest. Still paralyzed, I was actually afraid she was trying to strangle me. This seemed to last for a very long time, and I tried to free myself from her grasp. Eventually, it ended or I fell asleep again. I remember waking up the next morning, 
not knowing what had happened, and just thinking it must have been a strange nightmare. When I told my family, everyone agreed it was just a nightmare. Over the next few years, I would experience this more and more. I could never see a face clearly after that first time, but could make out the shadowy figure of a person. It was always accompanied by this feeling of absolute, pure dread. And I could never escape it. I just had to endure it. My family and I moved to another house after a few years of this. Unrelated to strange events, we just had an opportunity to get a bigger house for the family. I thought this might go away, and was just very excited to start anew in a different house. But I kept experiencing similar things. In fact, I started seeing a different figure that looked like a man in black. By this time, it was around 2004, and I started searching around on the internet. I found the phrase sleep paralysis described what I experienced. I started training myself to wake up from it, but it was mentally and physically exhausting, and still is to this day. I did find that if I waited out my sleep paralysis, I could go into a lucid dream state, which yes, meant I would have to endure long moments of scary shadow figures looming over me, or a person sitting on my bed, and me trying to convince myself that I'm fine. So throughout high school, I messed around with it some, and had some cool dreams with a dream guide. This is where it kind of gets weird. Things got tricky when I thought I entered a lucid dream, but was really having an out-of-body experience. I saw myself sleeping, and I went down in front of the entrance of my house and walked around the local streets. Everything still seemed to be nightlit with that blue hue. I saw a lot of other people walking around, but they didn't seem to notice me. I walked around but didn't want to get too far from my house. I did this a couple of other times throughout my high school years, too. I had a lot of late nights and all-nighters during college. This messed up my sleep schedule incredibly, and it caused a lot of stress, so my sleep paralysis was super active. I would have an episode a couple of times a week at this point. I always tried to stick through it and get into the lucid phase, but lost the ability because I was terrified and exhausted. Instead, I started seeing shadows seeping into the room through the cracks, accompanied by a loud but low hum or vibration. It was creepy, but I would stick through it out of curiosity. Nothing ever happened, and I told myself that if I stayed still, it would be fine. Nothing could touch me, right? This is where it goes from kind of weird to scary. After college, when I was back on a regular sleep schedule, I didn't experience that nightmarish paralysis as much. By now, I had more or less given up lucid dreaming, but one night I decided I wanted to try my hand at it again, and successfully did it a couple times. I picked up the habit again, but it would get harder. And now, it was different. I would feel something more than just pressure on me or at my feet. I would feel the sheets moving or feel the presence of something lurking on my floor. Sometimes my arms would move without me doing anything. I attributed all of this to just another sensation of sleep paralysis. The last time I really experimented with this was maybe eight years ago. I fell asleep in my bed with the lights on. My husband was in the living room with his friend playing a video game. As I dozed off, I could feel that familiar pressure and panic start to build. And I could sense that something was on the floor. I felt the sheets being pulled off the bed. I was also being moved off the bed, which had never, ever happened before. As scared as I had been of the sleep paralysis, 
and as real as that feeling of dread and terror had been, I was convinced that nothing could actually touch me since it was all in my head. This changed that. I could feel the texture of the bedsheets dragging across my skin as I inched towards the edge of the bed. I was ever so slowly dragged off my bed and felt myself getting entangled in the sheets. It seemed to take several minutes. I was moving so, so slowly. When I slipped onto the floor, I lay there motionless, paralyzed. Part of me wanted to force myself to wake up, but part of me also wanted to wait around and see if anything else happened. This was a huge mistake. Something made me stand up. Only my legs and torso were doing any work. My arms were limp, and my head lolled forward like a marionette puppet. I shuffled slowly out of the bedroom, by now trying to scream but not being able to get out more than a whimper. I continued down the hall and around the corner until I was in the doorway of the living room. I was facing my husband and his friend, trying to scream for them to wake me up, but they couldn't hear me. They didn't even see me. This went on for what felt like a very, very long time. They just continued on with their game as I stood in the doorway beside the TV. How could they not see me? After what felt like hours, I did get myself awake and screamed. I found myself back in bed, sheets on me, lights still on, nothing out of place. But my heart was racing, and I felt like I had been wrestling with an entity for hours. I ran into the living room as fast as I could. My legs were so weak, and I was asking them why they hadn't done anything. But neither my husband nor his friend knew what I was talking about. That was the last time I ever tried to experiment with sleep paralysis or lucid dreaming. I think I was good at it, but I also think I opened myself up to something bad. That maybe I had turned myself into a beacon for possession. Whatever happened, I think it was a warning. I'm not sure that I'm rid of it either. I fear that something is with me, as I sometimes feel a dark presence all around me. A few times at night, I felt my arm being moved or lifted like something is studying or testing me. I'm still very curious, which is really dangerous and tempting, but I think that if I was to try lucid dreaming or have an out-of-body experience again, something bad might happen, and my husband might actually see something else in bed with him one day. I was in boot camp in early 94. I was towards the end of it, and during work week, my company had divided into different work areas around the base. There were about six of us that were assigned to work in the drill hall. This consisted of keeping up on cleaning, painting, and even some general maintenance in the restrooms. We all had often heard things or people talking in the direction where we never saw anything. But that stuff doesn't happen during the day, right? Well, there are normally a few people that are there during the day, so it was easy to write this off as echoes as it was a large brick building. We had a few situations of things not being where they were left and then finding them somewhere else. We even had a few situations of the urinals flushing way too hard and splashing out at people as they flushed, of course, all of us that were assigned there said that we didn't do it. 
one of us would go in there and just readjust the flow to where it was supposed to be. One of the duties we had in the drill hall was standing quarter deck to watch 24 hours a day. It was split up into four-hour increments with all of us rotating out throughout the day. It was finally my turn to stand watch. No big deal. Or so I thought. I had stood watch before. It was an early morning watch the first time, so I started at 4 a.m. I heard different noises throughout the watch. I didn't think much of it, as it was an old building, and shortly after I started there, there was another company that came in and started their physical training, which drowned out any noises I was hearing. Now, on the midnight watch, that is a different story. When I did the midnight to 4 a.m. watch, shortly after the person I relieved left, I started hearing different noises in the drill hall. I heard knocking noises. Maybe they were old pipes, right? Or maybe not. I thought that I heard somebody running around the drill hall. Not uncommon, except at this time of day, no one was supposed to be up and in there. At least nobody but me. I could see into the hall, but the lights were all out in there. There was just the moonlight coming through the windows. I couldn't see anyone, which was a good thing. But why did I hear running? Okay, put it aside. It's just your imagination. A little later, I believe it was about 3 a.m., there was a room just above the quarter deck with stairs leading down to where I'm standing now. I don't remember what was up there and had heard noises off and on during the night, but I wrote it off to just being an old building and maybe my imagination. But then I heard footsteps coming across the floor up there. They came across straight to the top of the stairs. I thought maybe there was a drill instructor up there for some reason. I went to the bottom of the stairs, ready to do my required challenge of the person there, and I looked up. The lights from the quarter deck were shining right up the opening. I heard the steps hitting the first step coming down the stairs and stopping. But there was nobody there. I fled from the stairs and back over to the podium where I was supposed to be standing. When my relief got there, I told him what happened, and he said that it was probably knocking pipes. But I know better. This was a rhythmic sound of footsteps, not the untimed sound of knocking pipes. I got the heck out of there, and thankfully, never had to stand at that watch again. That drill hall never felt right again unless there were a bunch of people there to distract me from all the feelings that I would get. That was just the first of a few experiences in my life. For my 30th birthday, I wanted to try sensory deprivation. If you are not familiar, mine was a private room with a shower and an enclosed pod filled with salt water concentrated enough for you to float with absolutely zero effort. The air, water, and body are all the same temperature. It is pitch black, and honestly, a little stuffy once you close the top of your pod. Once you're settled in, 
It's just you and your mind for an entire hour with no outside stimuli. I submerge myself into the pod and do some deep breathing and meditation to get myself fully relaxed. After a few minutes, I am in the zone. I ask myself now that I am here, how would I like to spend my time? Let me preface this by saying that I have no idea how to astral project. I had never done it before, but this seemed as good a time as any to give it a go. I just decided that's what I was going to do, and since there was no sensation in my physical body keeping me locked in, I then felt myself rise up out of the pod, then the room, and then the building. I could see the top of the strip mall where the business was, and the streets and trees lining them. I kept floating up and up until I could see the whole planet beneath me. The earth began to turn backwards as if I were going back in time. I descended back down to earth. I kept going down and down until I could see three young people in a desert. A woman and two men who were all in their late teens or early twenties. I entered the mind of the young woman. I could sense that she was me in my previous life. I knew these two men. I know them now in my current life as well as in this past one. One is my current boyfriend and the other is his friend. Have you ever heard the theory that there are souls that you will cross paths with in different lifetimes? I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I could feel that these three people were connected to me, although they were physically not me, my boyfriend, nor his best friend. They contained our spirits. Anyway, this woman, I will call her past life me, was lying on the hard, cold desert ground. My conscience now inhabited her body. I could feel so much pain. It hurt all over. The two guys were freaking out. They had killed me. I'm not sure if it was some kind of accident, an overdose, or exactly what happened, but they hadn't done it on purpose. I could feel their panic, their guilt, and their remorse. They got in their car and left me there. I was dying, but not quite dead yet. I don't know how much time had passed since they left or where they had gone. I could see the black sky behind the outline of distant mountains begin to turn a deep indigo, signaling dawn would be coming soon. The two men return and gently place me in the trunk of the car. It was one of those 1970s beasts with a trunk big enough to fit a family of six comfortably. They drive for a long time. Again, I'm not sure how much time passed. I may have drifted in and out of consciousness. The sun was high in the sky when they stopped and opened the trunk. My boyfriend lifted me gently and placed my body on some soft grass under a tree beside a river. I guess this would make for a beautiful final resting place. He was crying as he stroked my hair, said he was sorry, and then they left me there. The only problem was, I wasn't dead yet. I began to feel angry. My whole body ached. It wasn't fair. I was still so young, and it wasn't supposed to be my time yet. But I was dying, and it was my time to go. 
I felt myself slipping away from this body and floating back up to the sky. I was still so mad. As I got farther and farther away, the pain and anger faded, and I began to feel at peace. Everything around me was dark. I could no longer see the earth or stars. There was nothing. Then, in the distance, I saw a mass of blue electric light. The pain and anger I felt before were replaced by joy and a distant memory of something like home. As I got closer to the light, I thought, Ah, yes, I remember now. I've been here before. I became a part of that bright light. I started to descend once again, down, down to where I could see earth. It was spinning forward this time as I continued down. I could see the tree-lined streets and the rooftop of the strip mall. I slipped back into my body moments before the dim lights and gentle music began to play in my deprivation tank, letting me know my hour was up. I groggily opened my eyes and sat up. My limbs felt so heavy and my body was uncoordinated. I clumsily climbed out of my pod and into the private shower to wash off all the salt water. Afterward, my boyfriend and I went out for pizza and I told him about my experience. I'm pretty sure he thought I was crazy. Although we are no longer together, our relationship is one that I would consider a very pivotal moment in my life. I learned how to be stronger, how to set boundaries, and that it's okay to cut ties with toxic people, even if they are family. I once told him that I thought he and I met in this lifetime so that he could help me and protect me as payback for things that had happened in our previous lives. I don't know if my experience really was astral projection or just some serious lucid dreaming, but I have had lucid dreams before, and they weren't anything like this. I didn't consciously make any decisions to change the events that happened. I merely experienced the events as they occurred. All things considered, it was a beautiful and magical experience. I hope one day to be able to try it again and see where it might take me. I'm a senior in high school, and I was going through a very tough time in my life. I was living with my mom, uncle, and grandma. Mental illness runs in my family, and at that time, my grandma was going through a bipolar disorder. One of the main medications was doing damage to her kidneys, so she had to be taken off that medication. And things went off balance. She would wake up in the middle of the night, screaming at my bedroom door, hallucinating, and we finally decided that she needed to stay in a hospital for a while for the doctors to find the right combination of medications. It was months and months and months of trying new combinations, detoxing her, trying other medications, detoxing her, finding the right dosage, and detoxing her. It was wreaking havoc on her body. I always tell her she's one of my very first best friends, and she still is. We have a special bond that no one can break. So, this was destroying me. This was very hard for me because 
I'm dealing with this at home while I'm trying to live a normal life of an 18-year-old senior in high school. One day, I was talking to a girl in one of my classes and she mentioned that she and her mom would go do this thing called psychic circle. She told me that it was basically like a Ouija board, but you go through a ritual beforehand that involves protection prayers and meditation. You do this so that nothing negative can come through, like they do on a Ouija board. I was very interested because I always wanted to do something like that, but I heard way too many horror stories of how easily negative energies can come through and they can attach to you. So this felt like the safer option. Psychic Circle is supposed to make it easier for you to communicate with your spirit guides and your guardian angels, which is what I really needed at that time in my life. So, my friend invited me and maybe 10 other people over to her house, where we could see her use the psychic circle board, and her mom would be there with us, supervising and making sure that we did everything right. Since there were so many people, I was sitting kind of in the back of the room, just watching them. Some things were coming through, but it wasn't all that serious. I was just sitting in the chair, watching, when I thought to myself, man, I really want to talk to my spirit guide. And all of a sudden, the board spelled something out and then went to an Aries sign. My heart immediately dropped because I knew that this was for me. I have an extremely unique name, and I realized this board just spelled out my real first name backwards. I went to the table, and for the first few minutes, my hands were not on the cursor because I was a little bit scared. I also need to mention that I'm Puerto Rican. Spanish is my first language, and my entire family moved to the States when I was a baby, and we all learned English together. My mom learned English by going to kindergarten with me and volunteering at my school because her thought was, these kids are basically learning to talk too, so why don't I start to learn with them? It was really cute. I realized whoever was talking to me was writing in Spanish. All of the girls were English-speaking. Some of them had maybe taken a couple years of Spanish, but none of them would have been able to talk as fluently as the spirit was coming through. My friends grabbed a piece of paper so that they could read it and translate what they were saying. The board consists of letters, numbers, astrological signs, some keywords, and different emotions and key pictures, such as luck, sadness, and angels, etc. The cursor kept going from Aries to the crying eye, meaning that they knew that I was sad. No one in that room except for one person who was still in the back knew what I was going through at home with my grandma. I'm one of those people that just doesn't show how they really feel, because I don't want people to worry about me. As I kept talking to them, I found out this was my spirit guide. She told me she was a friend of my mom's when they were in elementary school and she passed away when she was super young. Now she watches over me and my family. I believed her, but I asked her how I could know for sure that she knew my family. The cursor then went to a series of numbers. It looked like a phone number, but not one that I knew off the top of my head or anything, so... I typed it into my little flip phone at the time. It was my aunt's cell phone number. 
But the weirdest part was that my aunt lived in Kentucky, but was in town that weekend to be with my grandma. I immediately felt intense emotion wash over my entire body, and I knew this was real. We kept talking to her, and she told us all to listen. So, we all got quiet, and we heard ambulance sirens. She then told us to follow them. So we got in a few different cars and drove around, trying to follow the sound. We ended up driving through my neighborhood, and I saw in the front yard of someone who lived down the street from me, a deer. We drove by slowly, and she stared at me, straight in the eye the entire time, not breaking eye contact. But I wasn't scared, and she didn't seem scared. But we made a connection. It was really weird because it almost seemed like nobody else in the car noticed her. Just me. I told my friends that we needed to go back, and we found what we needed to find. When we got back to her house, I immediately went back to the board and asked, was that you? And she explained, yes. We kept talking, and finally, she told me that everything was going to be okay. She explained that everything seems awful right now, but my family would be okay because she was watching over us. We finally said goodbye and I thanked her because I really needed that at that moment. The next day, I was driving home from work and felt this immense emotion again. The sky was pink and I could feel her energy with me. It felt like I was getting a huge hug. I cried every tear that I had been holding back for months and I've never felt so much relief. I'm not necessarily a religious person, but this definitely made me a spiritual person. This situation made me realize that we're not alone in this world, no matter how lonely we must feel. Tisk tisk tisk. You had to go and get COVID, didn't you? I just wanted to follow in your footsteps, but the good news is I feel fit as a fiddle right now. I have a headache, some body aches, a sore throat, so I guess I'm lying. I don't feel that good, but I'm in high spirits. Positivity is key. That's that's good to have. Uh, listen, man, it's day one. All we can do is hope that this is the worst. We'll hope that your experience beats mine in the ground and you just kick it in a day or two. Hopefully. My great-grandma, who's 93 years old, got COVID, and she had zero symptoms, totally asymptomatic. So maybe I can get some of her genes, but with the new variants going around, yeah. there's no telling. There's no telling. But again, I'm just hoping for the best, and I'm glad I was able to knock out all of my stories today and do this outro with you before things took a turn for the worse. Yeah, and it's good that we're both like infectious disease um, experts and microbiologists so we can talk Correct. about this with experience and knowledge. And that being said, I think you're going to be just fine. <laughs> good, good. And I definitely think your house is haunted from a professional narrator standpoint. It is, 100%. I, I, put pick, I let pickles out of the closet. Um, I gave her a nice place hanging up on the wall over my printer in my office and she's much happier there. Actually, when I hung her up, I felt this weird wave of just like happiness, like real happiness. It was it. It's probably just I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's probably just placebo. But like yes. hanging her up on the wall, like giving her her own place, letting her out of the closet 
it just it felt good. It felt good like I was I was being like a good daddy. I feel like that's the responsible thing to do because who would want to be locked up in a box? Nobody. So you're showing Pickles a little bit of dignity and I think she respects that. Hey, it keeps my wife and the dogs out of my office, so I can get mm-hmm. a lot of work done. Who let the dogs out? Remember that song? The 2000s or something else, or was that like 99? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was the 90s. Probably. I'll have Probably. to look that up. I'm curious. Such a good era. The 90s and 2000s, they were just something else. You were just watching Mean Girls, weren't you? Okay, yeah. It was released in 2000. Yes. Um. Yeah, so I'm doing a thing where, and my wife is helping me with this because she's five years younger than me. So she was of age for a lot of these comedies that came out in the 2000s. And she's like, no, they're good. Trust me, they're good. So she was like, trust me, let's just watch Mean Girls. I think you're going to like it. And, you know, obviously I don't want to watch a teen girl comedy from 2004 or five, whatever it was. It's a good movie, I I think. Did you like it? If there's a category for high school movies, I put it in my top 10. Nice, good, good. Yeah, it's up there with like, Fast Times, Dazed and Confused. Uh, it's just a different era. It's a different decade. Exactly. And uh, I think it was pretty good. The, it, like, it had me laughing loudly a lot. And it was very self-aware. I liked it. And then she made me watch uh, White Chicks, which I watched every Wayne's Brother movie besides that. I'm a huge Wayne's Brother fan. I actually went and saw Sean recently. And I didn't know what to expect. I always thought it looked stupid by the trailer. And it was stupid in the sense that, like, the the plot was dumb, but I still enjoyed it. I still laughed really hard, which is saying a lot because I've watched a lot of recent movies and even some of the better ones, I'm kind of like, eh, I wouldn't watch that again or I wouldn't laugh. I didn't laugh or I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. But these movies, they just had me laughing. They had me interested. Like I enjoyed myself. It was weird. There's something about the older comedies from that era that are just timeless. You can always Mm -hmm. go back and revisit them. Like the Austin Powers trilogy. Yeah. Love them. Love them. Foxy Cleopatra. Oof. Yeah, Yeah. I love Austin Powers. I think it's really funny. I agree. It's funny because there was a period of time after Austin Powers came out, like maybe five, six years after it was all over, where it was like, oh, dude. Like somebody would do an Austin Powers impersonation or reference a joke and yeah. be like, eesh, yikes, Very dude, cringy. get this guy yeah. out of here. But after the appropriate time passed, it ended up being timeless and hilarious. Exactly. And totally rewatchable. Hopefully our early episodes will be like that someday. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment. Uh, what do you think of Adam Sandler? A lot of people have mixed opinions on his movies. I'm not a fan. I, I, None I, of I them. Just, not even Happy Gilmore? I laugh at them, but I don't really enjoy them. I get so, I zone out so hard on those movies. Like I'm, there's definitely funny jokes in it and really funny people in them. It's just not for me. I, even when I was young, I was just kind of like over it while I was watching it. I actually saw a meme or something that said along the lines of Adam Sandler's movies were never good. You're just nostalgic for a time for when your parents weren't divorced. I don't know about that. (laughs) That's funny. I don't know about that. They are funny and I'm sure they're good objectively. You know what it is? It's Adam Sandler's baby talk. His baby oh, voice. Yeah. I don't, it, that's immediately when that kicks in, I turn the other way. I, turn, I look the other way. I plug my ears. You turn it, the other cheek like a good Christian. Exactly. It's painful <laughs> to me. It's not, it's yeah. definitely not funny to me. And, and the screaming isn't that funny either. Yeah, you're right. The screaming uh, joke, screaming comedy, loud comedians, never been my thing. Sam Kennison, I couldn't do it. Uh, I'm sure he's great. It just wasn't for me. You know, that kind of thing. Rest in peace. 
So are there any movies from maybe the 2000s or 90s that you missed out on that everybody saw and references all the time and now you feel silly because you haven't? Uh, Probably Wedding Crashers, I would guess. And I do like Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, so I feel like I should watch it, but I just kind of missed the boat. I was more into Little Miss Sunshine, Juno, those sort of movies. When that movie came out... That was around the time when indie movies really had a bang, like yeah. the, the Sunshine, Juno, things like that. What like, year did Ghost World come out? That's one of my favorite oh, movies. Oh, Ghost World is, I believe, like 2000, early 2000s, if not the 90s. Um, yeah, that was really good. The comic is amazing, too. Yeah, it was 2001. Yeah, I think maybe it's just because we were a little bit older. A lot of movies during that time just didn't land for us. And we just kind of like skipped them for other movies like Ghost World and something pretentious. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but now when I go back and watch these movies that I thought were too, I was too cool for school for, I actually enjoy them. And I, I realize that I missed out. Ah, you're not missing out too much on Winning Crashers. I'll be honest. Okay, good. <laughs> it's not. I admittedly, I felt the same way about Post Malone because everybody likes Post Malone. Then I gave his albums a fair chance, just completely disconnecting from any sort of public perception and the you know that whole thing and i love his music and is a utah guy so maybe i'll run into him someday get him on the show i honestly haven't listened to a lot and what i've heard sounded interesting at least to me like well it's not something i would listen to it at least sounded cool like i like the i like his extreme vibrato that he does with his voice that's very yeah cool. yeah and it helps that he seems like a really genuine nice guy yeah and that wins a lot of points in my book totally i agree yeah oh um here we go i've got my lollipop here with my test results. Oh yeah, so, you took a COVID test too because you're yeah, not feeling so hot either. I, as soon as we got home from dinner, I got a sore throat and I started feeling really like hot and tired and fatigued. And uh, so I figured I would take a COVID test even though it's- Sympathy pains. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's been, what, three weeks, four weeks since I was sick, I figured I would try. I am negative right now. Um, it may just be cold. I think I might just be getting a regular cold because everybody's sick right now. Well, But this is a rough week for odd trails, man. But we did have some good stories. I really like the deprivation tank story. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do. They are amazing. Uh, I've been three times. and Same. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the first time was awesome. The second time was good. The third time, I just wasn't in the right headspace. I couldn't clear my mind or relax. My mind was racing. I think I was probably just like stressed out or maybe having like a mild anxiety attack, but I didn't really enjoy it the third time. I need to go back though. How have your experiences been? I loved them. It was amazing. I did it for an hour the first two times and the third time I did it for two hours and that was the fastest two hours of my life, believe it or not. It was incredibly peaceful. Saw a lot of imagery pass through my mind that I can't even fully recollect or make meaning of. But even my father, he's been in them too. And he said he saw visuals of our grandparents or something along those lines. Yeah, I've, I saw visuals as well. The weird thing was you're horizontal when you're laying in the water in the chamber, but somehow my equilibrium was telling my brain, or whatever, I don't know, that I was standing up vertical and I felt like I was floating vertically and immediately I was in space. I was literally seeing stars and planets around me. Yeah, that's common. And I just started like flying through space at this incredible speed. But I was standing up vertically the whole time instead of laying down. It was mm-hmm. the weirdest sensation. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, 
The third time, I think I had trouble because I was thinking about things that I had to do. I felt like I was wasting my time and I could have been doing something more productive instead, which is sad. It's so sad that our minds think that we need to be like doing the dishes or laundry or some shit instead of giving our minds an hour break from yeah, life. Letting ourselves know that it's okay to relax. Dude, it's so hard to relax. I, I could barely meditate anymore for 10, 15 minutes without just having to stop and go do something that I think is productive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's been me lately too. I haven't watched a movie in what feels like months because I'm always on that grind. You know yeah. what I mean? With the podcast yeah. and everything else going on. But that's okay. I think I get enjoyment from being productive and working towards things, but it's important to take a time out, work on your mental and just really take a step back. Oh man. Uh, so listen, man, we hope you get better. Uh, I want you to kick this COVID's butt. We'll keep everybody updated. Um, actually when this comes out, you will have probably been over the worst of it. Oh, that's true. Cause it's what it's Monday right now. We're recording this way ahead of time. Yeah. yeah this is Monday. I'm so glad that <laughs> we thought to do this ahead of time before I'm just down for the count. You're going to be down for the count for oh, a while. Yeah. Man. You're just going to be watching movies and chilling. Just make the best of it. Posting on Instagram. Yeah, so hopefully you get through this uh, somewhat unscathed. And uh, when we release this episode on Sunday night, um, you're back on top of the world, buddy. And on that note, I am going to get some rest. It's 11 o'clock at night, and I should probably start bracing myself. Mm -hmm, definitely. I'll give you all the tips once, once we get done here on how to get through it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This week you have heard UFO on the River by Rhett. Restaurant Kitchen Encounter by Austin. I Think Something is Attached to Me by Stevie. Haunted Drill Hall by Jared. The Time I Saw Myself Die by Tina. And finally, My Psychic Circle Story by Biza. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you want to hear your story on the show, send it to stories at oddtrails.com and we'll take a look. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. And special thanks to friend of the show Cassidy Liston from the podcast Drinking the Kool-Aid for coming on the show and narrating a story with us. We appreciate it. You're always welcome here. Don't forget to check them out at dtkpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Drinking the Kool-Aid. And finally, don't forget to check out all of my other podcasts at crypticcountypodcasts.com like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and the old-time radiocast. We'll see you next week. Stay safe. Peace out.